Lord. On the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, when they sacrificed the Passover lamb, Jesus' disciples said to him, Where do you want us to go and prepare for you to eat the Passover? He sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the city, and a man will meet you carrying a jar of water. Follow him. Wherever he enters, say to the master of the house, the teacher says, Where is my guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? Then he will show you a large upper room furnished and ready. Make the preparations for us there. The disciples then went off, entered the city, and found it just as he had told them, and they prepared the Passover. While they were eating, he took bread, said the blessing, broke it, gave it to them, and said, Take it. This is my body. Then he took a cup, gave thanks, and gave it to them, and they all drank from it. He said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which will be shed for many. Amen, I say to you, I shall not drink again the fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Then, after singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. So if you were here last week, you remember that the church gave us this other solemnity, the solemnity of the Most Holy Trinity, to teach us once again who God is and so that we can enter into a relationship with Him. So on the heels of that, the church gives us today's solemnity, the Most Holy Body and Blood of Christ. And what this solemnity does is teaches us how we enter into this life with the Holy Trinity. Because you'll notice in this icon, which I talked about last week as well, first of all, you've got the three angels representing the Trinity, the Father on the left, the Son in the middle, the Holy Spirit on the right. But at the very center and in the bottom, it's sort of like an open place at the table for us. So how do we get there? This icon then teaches us the way. If you would, and you'll have to kind of use your sort of magic eye to look closely at this, and I've shown this before, so maybe you've seen this. If you take the inside of the father angel's body and trace it from the top to the bottom, and then you take the same on the other side with the Holy Spirit angel's body, you'll notice that it makes the shape of a cup, a chalice. And who's in the chalice? The Son of God. And what is it that we receive in the Eucharistic chalice, the very blood of the Son of God. And for the solemnity this year of the body and blood, notice that our readings really focus this year on the blood of Christ. Now, we moderns maybe kind of find that a little strange and, and, and weird, but if we were to go back into the ancient world, back into the world of even the Scriptures, both Israel, but also all the other pagan religions, there was a ton of animal sacrificing that was taking place, blood sacrifice all over the place. And we moderns might even be a little bit offended by that because, you know, we are into the ethical treatment of animals, right? And nothing wrong with that. I like animals. I love my dog, Shadow, most of the time. Sometimes I want to kill him, but, you know, he's a pretty good dog. But, you know, just a little side note on this, the one thing I wish about our culture, nothing wrong with a good treatment of animals, I just, wish, I just wish we would treat human beings with as much dignity and respect as we do animals. But I digress. So we have all this blood, all this gore, and again, it might strike us as funny. And yet, the meaning of it, I think, is pretty straightforward, something that we can understand. Blood is 
life, right? Life blood. And so to offer blood is to offer life. And there's nothing more precious than the gift of life. Here's the other thing I think we can understand. There is this universal religious instinct, not unique to Christianity, to the religiosity of all of us, is the need to sacrifice. The sense that we should offer something precious to the divine. And then here's something else that's somewhat universal to all of us. We, we sense within our very beings the separation from, from God, the gap that's caused by sin. Now, we may not fully understand that sin is the very cause of that, but, but I think people in general sense that, that God is far away from us. And so how do we close that gap? That's the spiritual life, isn't it? How you close that gap between us and God. Here's the thing that... I think we probably know we can't close the gap. The good news, though, is that our God has closed the gap. He, he makes the move towards us. So let's look at our readings. All three readings uh, focus on this. So first of all, you have our first reading from Exodus. God has delivered now Israel from Egyptian slavery, brought them to Mount Sinai, given them the Ten Commandments, to show them what a life and relationship with him looks like. And the people, as you heard, said, all that God has commanded, we will do. So then animals are sacrificed. And Moses takes half of the blood and he throws it on the altar. It's showing God that the people now want to offer their lives to God. But then he takes the rest of the blood and he sprinkles it on the people, showing them that God is now offering his life to them and he is, he is cleansing them. Again, blood is life. There's an exchange of life that is happening here. Maybe a way we can understand this, we all know what blood brothers are, right? I mean, two people who usually cut their fingers and then they mingle their blood together to show that they're sharing their lives, that they are, are bonded together. In a sense, that's what the covenant in blood is all about, that God has now become blood brother with Israel. But if you know the Old Testament and the story, Israel breaks that covenant over and over again. So that takes us to our second reading from Hebrews, which is referring to, in one level, the entire Levitical sacrificial system of the Old Testament that God gives. But Hebrews is especially focusing us on Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. And we need to understand the, the tent of meeting, the meeting place that they, where they worshiped God, or later that became then the temple in Jerusalem. That in that temple, the innermost court of the building represented the place of God, but it was cut off from the people. It sent a very simple and clear message. There was a, a giant curtain or veil that cut that most holy place, the Holy of Holies, cut it off from the people. But once a year on Yom Kippur, the high priest would first make a sacrifice for his own sins, sacrifice a bull. Now that he was cleansed from his own sins, he would then sacrifice, he would take two goats. The first one he would sacrifice, and he would take the blood of that goat, and he would enter into that most holy place, the Holy of Holies, and he would sprinkle that blood in that place because the people were showing God that they wanted to offer their life to him again, that they were sorry for their sins. Then he would come out from behind that veil, out to where the people were, and again, sprinkle that blood, showing them that God was offering his life to them again, and that he was going to forgive them from all their sins. Then he took the second goat, and he put his hands on that goat's head, 
And he would say over that goat, all the sins of Israel. And they would then take that goat and chase it off in the wilderness to die, literally taking their sins away. This is the famous scapegoat. So now, now they're being cleansed by, from their sins, now having their sins taken away. There was no separation from God anymore. That gap had been, had been closed. The covenant had been renewed. But... Ultimately, animal blood can't do it. Animal blood cannot exchange our lives with God. It can't offer your life to God. It can't offer God's life to us. And that earthly tabernacle, later the temple, was just a model of heaven. The real point of the Holy of Holies is that we're separated from the the inner courts of heaven. We're separated from God. And so what animal blood can't do, and actually what our sinful, tainted human blood can't do, now, now on Good Friday, what does Jesus do? As he hangs from that cross, what Hebrews is telling us is that he doesn't go into the temple in Jerusalem and enter the Holy of Holies there. No, he enters the Holy of Holies, the inner courts of heaven. And he offers what you and I can't offer. See, he, who is now our brother, has sinless, pure, perfect blood. And he takes that blood and offers it to God in the innermost courts of heaven. What you and I cannot give to God because of our sin, because we're tainted, is what he offers. He offers that perfect sacrifice. He offers the perfect life to him. And of course, he's the scapegoat. Because all of our sins have been laid on him. He is the Lamb of God who has taken away the sins of the world. And so what happens on Good Friday? That veil that separated the Holy of Holies from God's people, it is ripped and torn in two. The separation's gone. The gap has now been closed. We now share life with God. Now we're ready to understand the last reading in the gospel. On Good Friday, Jesus offers the sacrifice once and for all. We're done now with the animal sacrifices. It's it's all been fulfilled. It's all completed. But on the night before he offers that once and for all sacrifice, there in the upper room, what Jesus does is he gives to us this marvelous sacrament so that we can perpetually renew the new covenant in his blood. See, it's not just once a year. Every Eucharist, friends, At every Eucharist, this is why the crucifix is hanging above us, the sacrifice of Jesus made on Good Friday is now made present to us. It is represented to us each and every time. My brothers and sisters, this is why we've got to be here every single week. Every single week. What Jesus is doing, you remember a few weeks ago I talked about how the pastor is in persona Christi, which means in the person of Christ. The reason why I wear these robes, these are priestly robes. I'm in the person of Christ. Do you know what I'm called to do up here? In the place of Christ, Jesus, who is your high priest, makes the holy sacrifice, makes the offering to God every single week. And you hear that language throughout the liturgy. Why? Because we've got nothing to give to God. 
I mean, we have this sense within us that we're supposed to offer something valuable to God, but we got nothing, friends. I've got nothing but my tainted life. I've got nothing but my tainted blood. So what has Jesus done for us? He's given us the gift. He put himself into our hands and says, here, take me and offer me to the Father. Now, we're not re-sacrificing Jesus. What we're doing here, friends, we got nothing. So what we do is we cling to what's been given to us. We're holding on to Jesus, and we hold him up before the Father, and we say, Father, look at this sacrifice. Receive this sacrifice from us. What Jesus did, that's, that's, what's our, that's all we've got. See us, Father, in the blood of Jesus. And now, cleansed in the blood of Jesus, this is why I will sing, through him and with him and in him, now in the blood of Jesus, we can offer our lives to God. We can make a living sacrifice, our living body, our, our, our living blood. We offer to the glory of God in Jesus. But here's the second move that the high priest makes in persona Christi, in the, pa- in the person of the pastor. Because then I will move down from the altar out to the people. And I'm not going to splatter you with blood of an animal. You're going to drink the divine blood of Jesus. You're going to internalize his divine. Here's the exchange of life with God. You're going to internalize God's own divine life. You want to know why the curtain curtain in that temple was torn in two? Because you're the holy of holies. You become the inner courts of God. Because he comes to live now in you. This exchange of life, see, it all happens in Jesus. So here's the last thing. I know that we all sense in one way or the other that separation from God. The gap. It's because of our sins. If we don't, we we probably should. (laughs) It's all because of our sins. Don't try to like, well, i got to be a better person and make up for it and close the gap, because you can't. Don't try to blame somebody else or make excuses. And whatever you do, don't take. Don't just take it and deny it and stuff it and try to ignore it. What you need is given to you here tonight. The blood of Jesus. The most holy body and blood of Christ opens up the way to life with the most holy trinity, the exchange of life. You were made for that, and you are destined for that. My friends, if this does not fill you with awe, let's just take a moment. I already asked you once to examine your life, but maybe thinking about this a little further, like, I should do a little more searching. I got a little more stuff going on in there so that Jesus can cleanse it and reunite, him, reunite you to himself.